Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And just like that, thank you for tuning in. It's not just Josh Carey. It's also my man, Eric Cabral. What's doing? What's going on, brother? It's just Josh Carey and just Eric Cabral. Always a pleasure to be with you, brother. And of course, we're not alone. Um, we're actually seated alongside virtually right now with Perry Marshall. You know Perry Marshall. I'm not even asking it as a question, because if you are anybody, you know Perry Marshall. Thank you kindly, sir, for coming along. What's doing? Well, I, I guess I'm just glad that I know him. So it's great, great to be here with you guys and uh, mixing it up in Jersey. That's yeah. right. I, I remember, I remember a drive I had on a business trip to the Jersey Shore, um, and uh, I well, I'd never been to the Jersey Shore before, and it was in December. It was about this time of year. Mm. Um, and it, not probably when most people would want to go, but I, I rather liked it, and I rather just liked it being yes. a good trip. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you, you guys, and um, we're going to have a fun, a fun time today. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you feel that. I want to start with something that easily stuck out during my research. Any time that I read um, a short bio of you, a long bio of you, one particular phrase stuck out over and over, and it's the fact that you are dubbed one of the world's most expensive business consultants. I love that for so many reasons. I sort of want to like tell how the magic trick is done a little bit because I'm guessing you, you deliberate, I mean, you're a marketer at heart, certainly. So I'm guessing that it's so deliberate to include that where most people would say, no, 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 I'm, I, I'm not expensive. You could certainly afford me. Walk us through the logic behind going just bold with, hey, I'm one of the most expensive people you will ever hire. Well, it goes back to a story. I was 16 years old. Um, my parents were on the East Coast for cancer treatment. And these friends of ours um, kept me and my brother at their house for three weeks. And this guy was a uh, a management professor at the local university, and he was also a management consultant who did uh, side work. And uh, he was this Asian guy, and um, I was. Uh, he took us out for cokes one night, and he told us the story. And he said, 
He said, I'm the highest paid faculty member at the University of Nebraska, and I charge three to $5,000 a day for consulting. And my jaw hit the floor because this is 1986, okay? And I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm a pastor's kid, and I'm thinking, you know, my dad doesn't even make $5,000 a month, and this guy makes, you know, three to five k a day? And and then uh, Dr. Lee said to me, he said, I don't charge that money because I need a bunch more money. He goes, I'm fine. He goes, the reason I charge that much money is because when you're charging a CEO $5,000 a day to tell him what's wrong with, your, with his company, when you sit down and tell him, he takes notes. And dude, that conversation rocked my world on all kinds of levels because first it, it just totally blew the ceiling off of what I really thought even thought about in terms of money and stuff like that. But also it changed my conception of work because I don't I don't know if you've ever lived with some other family for three weeks, but man, that like, I don't care who they are. It's an experience, right? Like all, like the rules are different and the culture is different and the family is different. The kind of the dinner conversations are different. It's all different. Right. And so I was just having this whole experience and, you know, I figured out a few things while I lived there. Okay. He's a workaholic. He loves what he does. He's, he's written all these books He's like, he's, he's just obsessed with what he does as you and I are with what we do. And work is not a four letter word. This guy likes what he does and people like him. And this is not like picking cherry tomatoes in the garden on a hot summer day. This is like a whole different thing. And, and so, now, th this didn't make me suddenly decide that I wanted to be a consultant. I mean, I was, like, that wasn't really it. But, but I, I would have to say, you know, wh why do I say that? Well, it definitely goes back to sitting in a mall in a food court with Dr. Lee in 1986 and understanding that in business, money equates to respect. Oh, say that again. Money. Mm. Money equates to respect. How do we um, apply that to an entrepreneur tuning in? What do we do with that piece of truth? Or how do we begin to even make it our truth? Because I think that there's even a barrier there, right? Well, sure. Well, so, so, so I got this book we're going to talk about, Detox, Declare, Dominate. And it's a 36-page book with seven steps. And mm -hmm. step... Three is earn a thousand dollars an hour, at least one hour a day. And most people are going to go, uh, uh, how do you suggest I do that, Perry? Like, so um, I want you to think about uh, a a dental receptionist named Helen, who makes fifteen dollars an hour, which is thirty thousand dollars a year. And the phone rings, and somebody is ready to pay uh, 
$10,000 for some really badly needed dental work. And Helen says, Wooddale Dental, please hold. And then she puts them on hold for two minutes. And then she picks up two minutes later and they're gone. Okay, so $10,000 in two minutes. How many dollars an hour is that? Mm -hmm. uh, as far as I could tell, that is $300,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a, a, a $30,000 a year dental receptionist can lose $300,000 an hour in two minutes. So, large amounts of money are decided in short periods of time on seemingly small decisions, and large doors swing on tiny little hinges. Okay, now, how do you make $1,000 an hour? My, my contention is that you got the dentist, you got his manager, you got the other staff members, you got Helen, whoever works in the dentist's office. Whatever amount of time that they need to spend to sit down and figure out how do we make sure nobody ever gets put on hold for two minutes if they need $10,000 of dental work or any dental work? How are we going to make absolutely sure that the right person, they get routed to the right person every single time? And then how many $10,000 or $5,000 or $20,000, $2,000 dental jobs are not going to fall through the cracks. Because see, Helen thinks about her job like I'm $15 an hour, I'm 30,000 a year, I'm 2,500 a month. That's how she thinks about money. But the truth is she's worth zero, three fourths of most hours. She might not be doing anything, but then she's worth $300,000 an hour for, you know, minutes and seconds. Hmm. And, and everybody's time is like this. Everybody's time. Okay, so if a dental receptionist making $15 an hour can swing these huge amounts of money in short periods of time, then it's true of everybody. People are just unaware of it. Hmm. Yeah, this really speaks to what Josh and I always uh, talk about in our business, where we try to hold each other accountable in terms of what are you spending your day, what are you spending your time and hours, and uh, which are dollars, uh, you know, all the time. Is that a conversation that you should be having? Is it a conversation that's worth having, right? Because it's going to potentially turn into a large sum of money. Well, yes, and, and see, time, most people also think that increasingly valuable time is like $15 an hour, $16.50 an hour, $18.20, like they think in these linear increments. No, the value of time is more like $10 an hour, $100 an hour, $1,000 an hour, $10,000 an hour. It's exponential. It's logarithmic. It's not linear. Okay, really nothing in business is linear. And, and this, is, this is what 80-20 is all about. What, so most people think 80-20 is, oh yeah, that Pareto guy, 
in Italy who figured out that 20% of the people have 80% of the land and the wealth. Okay, so that's like economists would do stuff like that. Like, this is how most people think. No, no. What 80-20 really means is that the whole world runs on exponential power laws and that the value of thing is in like powers of 10, 10 to the one, 10, 10 to the two, 100, 10 to the three, thousand. It's like you're dealing in exponents, okay? And you don't have to have any advanced mathematics to understand this. You just have to understand the power of leverage. And see, leverage is like this bastardized, like, I don't know, MBAs who don't know jack about anything use words like, we're going to, we're going to leverage our, 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 uh, our distinctives or, you know, they're, they're going to like baffle you with all of this techno Latin. It's like, well, so it's like, we need new language. So like, there's a, there's a chart in this book and there's this whole column of $10 an hour tasks, like emptying the waste basket and, you know, and driving to Staples to buy some office supplies, right? There's $10 an hour stuff. And then there's $100 an hour stuff, which is like helping a customer answer a question or, you know, and then, but then there's $1,000 an hour, which is like doing any kind of serious marketing work that actually moves the needle, right? And then 10,000, like any negotiation or any major strategic move in your business, it is $10,000 an hour work when you actually like get to the core of actually doing it instead of just thinking about it. And so it's, in, it's incredibly powerful. So it's, it is not unrealistic to make $1,000 an hour, an hour a day. And if most people, if you make $1,000 an hour, an hour a day, you get to spend a good portion of the day doing things that you love and you're interested in and you make a good income and and, and you can have a comfortable life and an adventurous life. Like comfort, I don't even know if I like the word comfortable, but I like the word adventurous. That's, that's what I'm interested in. How about you? So you, yeah, certainly. So you bring up the 80-20 rule um, in preparation. I already owned this book, the 80-20 Sales and Marketing. And then um, we were fortunate enough to get a copy of, like you said, Detox, Declutter, Dominate, which reiterates in part the 80-20 Let's set the framework because um, I love that, as you point out in your books, that when you really understand what the 80-20 rule is, it's not just business. And first of all, every single measurable part of your business, but it's every part of life, right? Yes. Like, like yes. the roads we drive on and the phone calls that we get and all that stuff. So to right. put it into perspective, the rule says that 80% of what you get comes from 20% of what you do, which suggests small effort, big results. Yes, yes. And it, see, this is a, it is a universal law of cause and effect. Like most people think it's just like a business school rule of thumb or, or something like, no, 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 no. Like it's, it's the size of craters on the moon and it's rabbit populations and it's, you know, 80% of the traffic is on 20% of the roads and 80% of 80% of the traffic is on 20% of 20% of the roads. Yeah. And then you can do it again and again, right? So, so it means like 25% of the traffic is in like 
three expressways, which we all know. Okay. It's like, well, so do you want to, do you want to billboard on a quiet residential street or do you want to billboard like by the airport where there, you know, 8,000 cars go by every hour. Right. And so, and so this is so important and it, it, it applies to your relationships and yeah, just about every spreadsheet in your business or your Facebook account or your Google account, um, it's product defects. And so is like what happens to most people when they actually understand 80-20, which will happen to you if, if you read my 80-20 book, it'll be like, oh my goodness, it's everywhere. Honey, honey, I read this book. Like, and like everything's 80-20. You're 80-20, I'm 80-20, the kids are 80-20, the relationships are 80-20, the Christmas presents are 80-20, our, our checking account is 80-20, our, our cars are 80-20, yeah, our internet websites are 80-20, everything's 80-20. And then there's these levers like, okay, so what's the 1% that I can fix that will solve 50% of the problem? Wow. And it's always true. Like in, in fact, you never run out of stuff. You just keep going and going, going with it. So putting this into perspective of the business owner, the, the low hanging fruit examples are that um, 80% of your revenue or profits come from 20% of your customers, which yeah. is the vast majority of the money you're making is coming from a small sector of the people who are paying you, which means by the numbers, what? That we're probably spending too much time serving and servicing and supporting clients who aren't worth the same. What, what's the perspective here? Yeah, so I remember, so the, the first time I heard about 8020s, probably 20 years ago, and I was working at this, software company, um, it said 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your clients. So I thought, is that right? And I printed out a QuickBooks report and I got out a calculator and I went through it. I was like, I'll be darned. That's right. And, but I, I didn't quite connect the dots. Like I had a customer named Dimitri and Dimitri would buy like a couple thousand dollars of stuff a year, which isn't, wasn't really very much. And he would call me on the phone and he had this Russian accent and he would complain. He goes, you know, you, you do not have the feature, you know, and, and, and he would like, you know, try to grind me down. Like, like there's all kinds of people. They, they know that they can really get to salespeople. Like, you know, if I can irritate this guy bad enough, He'll go walk down the hall of software development and he'll talk those guys into. And like what I didn't realize, I should have said, Dimitri, you call me like every other month with one of these long tirades. You buy like three circuit boards a year. Like just go buy from the competitor, Dimitri. It's okay. And I would have got rid of him. And then I would have spent that four hours a year going and chasing a real customer. Mm. Okay. But I, I didn't, it's like, I didn't really understand 80, 20. And, and so, so like what, one of the things that, that comes out of 80, 20 is that almost everybody is literally losing money 
on five or 10% of the products they ship, five or 10% of the clients they serve. Like it's almost like I, I'll, I'll bet you a hundred bucks that if I came into your company and I, I brought my CFO and he did a whole cost accounting, he could prove to you, you got this bottom 10% of your clients, you would make more money if you just fired them and went on vacation that day instead of doing whatever it is you do for these people. You would literally make more money by doing nothing than by you know, selling stuff to them. You are literally taping dollar bills to 10% of the boxes that ship out of this place and you don't even know it. Mm. It's true. I mean, unless you run a really tight ship, it's almost guaranteed to be true. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. I, I want to hear a little bit of perspective, and then we can come back to the business side of the 80-20 rule. But what, what are some of the things that people come up uh, and ask you, Perry, in terms of their relationships, their spouses, or their family and their kids and the 80-20? How does well, it apply in that? Um, one of my mentors is Richard Koch, and, and uh, Richard says that, he says, you know that phrase, life is short? He goes, that's not true. He goes, life is long. Because there are, there are so many seconds and minutes and days and weeks and months and years that go by where people are not doing what they say that they want to do. Okay, so yeah, I know my kids are age 10 through 24, so I know like... Man, it was just yesterday Tana was born. I know. I get it. But 24 years is 24 years. It's like, you know, if you have a bucket list and, and you're serious about it, like most people, if they get out their bucket list, there's probably something on that list you could cross out by next week if you really put your mind to it. It might not even cost a lot of money or anything but you have to decide to do it, okay? And, and then relationships. 80% of your satisfaction is going to come from 20% of your relationships and 50% of your satisfaction is gonna go to 1% of your relationships. Okay, so the 1% of your relationships, if you have 500 Facebook friends, five of them are as valuable as the other 495 put together. True or false? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so 
are you investing 50% of your relationship time into those five people? Or are you arguing with somebody about Trump and Biden <laughs> you don't even give a crap about and you're not going to change their mind, right? And we all do this stupid stuff. But Richard is right. Life is long. Life is not short. You know, somebody, oh, somebody just today, I was on the, uh, a Zoom call with somebody and he goes, he goes, well, you know, um, when I, when I die, I want to make sure I'm on the up elevator and I want to make sure that the, the big interview goes well afterwards. <laughs> it's like, you know, would, would the big interview be going, what are you talking about? You didn't have any time. Who are you kidding? Like, well, you know, there, there was Tuesday and then there was Wednesday and I believe there was a Thursday. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a Friday and, and there was a Saturday that week. So, Hello? Uh, what's the problem here? So this is, this is about life, but how much of this do you find people that come across this need, there's just a block. Is there any resistance to, no, it's not, it's not for me, it, it doesn't work, I don't see it that way? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, so, so first of all, so tell you a story. When I got my first sales job about two months later, I had to go to this training in Detroit. And so I woke up, it was like, I don't know, 8.15 in the morning. And I'm, I'm like, I was supposed to be on a plane at O'Hare 30 minutes ago. Ah! You know, right. And then the, the, the adrenaline, like, like you, you go into freak out mode and then, so, all right. So I got myself to O'Hare and I got a later flight and all that stuff. When I got home, I'm like, okay, what happened? How did my, the, everything was set right. I figured out the only possible explanation was that day, not any other day, just that day. I pressed the off button instead of the snooze button and I just slept right through it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I call that head trash. I call that self-sabotage. Mm. Okay. I believe that my monkey brain knew that was an important meeting and decided to sabotage it. Wow. Yeah. Anybody else ever done that to yourself? Shot yeah. your foot off with a sawed off shotgun. Been there for the years. Most wonderful okay so everybody's got head trash and anytime you are on the edge of a breakthrough the chattering inside your brain is going to go through the roof and it so I have found you can harness the chattering inside your brain to tell you where the 80-20 levers are. Mm. If you're reaching for that lever and your hand starts shaking, <laughs> it's probably an 80-20 lever. Mm. There's energy around those things. Mm. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Eric. I see it's the wheels basically, turning. Well, yeah, we go through this all the time, Josh. Yeah, talking. We... We often know there are meetings or events or something that we need to do, 
um, that once we open that door, mm-hmm. get, you know, it's Pandora's box, right? You're like, oh man, we're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. But we always get so much gratification from just, like you said, pulling that lever, but it's scary, isn't it? Because you yeah. know what you, your mind plays all the scenarios out in microseconds and you're like, yeah, that's freaking scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you're right. It makes sense that it's, it, it's running towards the fire instead of away from it. Yes. And, and just right. And, but then harnessing the power when you get there um, it's, it's, it's good. I, I'm, I'm starting to get, I, I didn't get the fortune of reading it like Josh did, but I'm starting to see the simplicity in a great way around the concepts that you're, you're pushing out on the, in this book, the, the, your previous book. Um, and, and now this one, um, could you give us a little bit of a teaser? Uh, Cause I know that you do mention um, there are seven steps basically to entrepreneurial success. Now I know you don't have to give it all away, but what are some of the things that people can, you know, from a tactical level, well, I'll, I'll just run through them all real yeah. quick. And th- this is a 36-page book, um, and, and there's a story about the length of the book we'll get to. But That's great. Uh, so first of all, what, what are these steps? Everybody's got steps. Everybody's got a formula. Everybody. This is the seven most important things in business. I really believe that. And two things about that. First of all, these will still be the seven 20 years from now. They're not going to go obsolete. Nothing I tell you is going to go obsolete. And number two, they're the same steps, whether you're making $10,000 a year or $10 million a year. And I've got clients in both ends of the spectrum. Okay. So I just don't know any other seven steps where you could say, yeah, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, still valid, valid, whether you're a beginner or a, or a, financial black belt. So here, here's what the seven steps are. One, use Renaissance time to gain discernment and clarity. That's about how, basically how you start your day. Step two, make your business twice as profitable with 80-20 focus. Three, earn $1,000 an hour, at least one hour a day with 80-20 time. Four, create an irresistible product that's a joy to use by simplifying Step five, carve out the niche where you are the number one undisputed via the STAR principle. Number six, build an impenetrable moat around your business. Number seven, enjoy freedom to create and invent every single day. And number seven isn't just a, oh yeah, and if you do all these other six things, this will naturally happen. No, that's a strategy too. I find that most entrepreneurs, especially successful people, they, they don't play hard enough. A lot of them just work and they burn out their inner artist. They burn out their inner creativity because they're always just going, 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 going. And then you can't do and be your best. So those are the seven steps of detox, declare, dominate. Love that. I'm sure people who are driving and, you know, uh, doing some sort of chore at home, they're like, okay, wait, hold on. I got to rewind that. I got to rewind that. But if you're driving, please don't rewind it unless it's uh, at your fingertips on a phone and <laughs> it won't cause you to get to an accident. But yeah, I, uh, I was trying to keep up, um, but I'm definitely going to be uh, one to, to, to rewind and then actually get the physical book, um, which I know is available. Josh already has it in hand. What is a way for people to, to quickly get it? On Amazon, it's nine bucks in the U.S. 
of it. Oh. And you, you can read it in about a half an hour, but it's the sure. kind of book that you can make, you can make it the master plan of the next 20 years of your life. Right. We don't have to let the, the length, um, you know, some might say, well, it's only this many pages. I can read it in a half hour. How valuable can it be? No, it's extraordinarily. It's, it's so good. Um, step five, I have highlighted here where it's carve out the niche where you're the undisputed number one via the star principle. And it says the star principle says almost all of the money and growth come from companies that are number one in a market growing 10% or more per year. Yes, yes. So is that sort of like, I mean, how many companies can get there, but is it also about the strive to be the number one? Is that part of it? Okay, it's, actually, it's very profound. So first of all, it says that the people that have all the money and growth, like the 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 5% of companies that get that make two thirds of the profit are the ones who are number one in growing markets mm -hmm. and everybody else is fighting over the scraps. You don't want to be number two, number three, number four, number five. The star principle says, if you're not number one, you do not claw your way to the top the way everybody thinks you should. It almost never works you have to carve off a new part of the market that nobody's addressing. So this is like dead serious. If you can't be Coke, don't be Pepsi, be seven up. Mm. And if you can't be seven up, don't be Sierra mist. That sucks. <laughs> be Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and whatever you do, don't be Mr. Pibb. And there's a lot of people, they think, they start out as Mr. Pibb, and they're like, so I'm going to work my guts out, and then I'll be Dr. Pepper, and then I'm going to work out my guts out again, and then I'll be Sierra Mist, and then I'm going to work my guts out again and be 7-Up, and then I'm going to work my guts out and be Pepsi, and then eventually I'll work my guts out even more and be Coke. No, you, you won't have any guts by the time you just try to beat Dr. Pepper. It, it generally doesn't work. Number five almost never gets to number one. What you do is you find, okay, somebody is not meeting this need. Mm. I'm going to go meet it. And see, I, this is true at the Coca-Cola billions of dollars level. It's also true in the tiniest little market like, well, somebody's already got a book on how to write a book. And if you want to write books about how to write books, you write a book about how to write a children's book because there's no book about how to write a children's book. Like, I mean, it could be this, the narrowest, tiniest little thing. It could be a Google app. Like, well, I'm not going to try to be number one on this keyword because that those keywords are all bid on by all these other people. I'm going to go over this other keyword where nobody has a product that meets that need. And I'm going to modify some existing thing and I'm going to meet that need. And then the first day I'm in that market, I'm going to be number one. Now, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to work every time. It may very, it probably won't work every time. But this is what you have to do, is you subdivide the market, and then you make yourself number one. And that, that's, this is another way of defining what a blue ocean strategy is. Mm. You don't want to live in a red ocean. Being number five and trying to claw your way to number four, that's red ocean. You don't want that.
Yeah. I love that. I just wanted to highlight that in a, in a real example, um, you know, because people are like, you know, these examples, you know, with Coke and Pepsi and even what we're doing at PodMax, you know, we're all often developing products, uh, Perry. Um, and it's interesting because it doesn't exist. So clearly we are in a space and we're servicing a market and, and filling a white space that's needed um, if we can't find any competition or people doing what we do. But aside from that, a friend of mine is a real estate agent in Indiana. And everyone out there who knows about that industry, it's oversaturated. Everybody knows a real estate agent. You throw a rock and you'll hit 12 of them with one rock. So, but he figured out, and he's in his early 20s. I don't know if that has something to do with it, but in Indiana, he's the only one in his market, in his space, in that little 20 mile radius that is crushing it on social media because right. the majority of that industry doesn't understand it. So he doubled the triple down on it. And there you go. That's what, like you're saying, he figured out one niche market. I'm going to own this. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up because, because number one in a growing market depends on how you define market. Okay. And different media equals different market. And I know this because I wrote the book on Google ads and Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you could be, you could be number one on main street, Topeka, Kansas of cars driving by, but not on Google. You could be number one on Google, but nowhere to be found in Topeka, Kansas. You could be number one on Facebook and nowhere to be found on Google. You could be on LinkedIn. Okay, and, you know, we all know how many of these different social media channels there are. Many, 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 many of my customers became successful because they figured out how to use a digital medium that nobody else in their market was doing well. Okay, so like if, okay, let's say it's LinkedIn. If all the other people in your market are already on LinkedIn, but they're all orangutans with screwdrivers and they don't really <laughs> know what they're doing and they haven't gotten any training and they're just kind of there to be there. And then you show up and, you, and you're on your A game. Well, probably within a couple months, you could be at the top of LinkedIn for whatever that category is. And now you can own a market and people would be surprised, even the tiniest little markets, if you're number one, you'd be surprised how much money you could make. You'd be surprised how much money the number one guy in Vietnamese potbelly pigs is making. Yeah, I know it's a really tiny market, but it's almost guaranteed to be lucrative if, if, if you actually make it work. The, the end of the day is about, if, if we're sticking with the business and entrepreneurial theme, it's all about, like you say, it's all just a riddle that at the beginning of the day, it's a new, it's a new game and you have to solve something. Yes. And, and let's understand what a riddle is. Okay. So, so here, here's an example of a riddle. You're pushing your car and you stop in front of a hotel and suddenly you realize you're broke. You're bankrupt. Where are you? Well, I have the luxury of knowing the answer because I read the book. 
Um, but I sat there for like 10 minutes and I was like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see. And, and I thought the answer, I, I had an answer and the, because it says, uh, you're pushing your car, you're, you wind up in front of a hotel, you realize you're bankrupt, where are you? Yeah. I then said, I came to the conclusion, I thought, I'm in front of a hotel. You know, like the logic answer, like, like right. where are you? Right. I'm in front of a hotel. Right. But that, but that wasn't the answer. That was, yeah. Right. So the answer is you're on a monopoly board. Mm. Okay. Now, riddles are where you are given in all riddles, any riddle book, they give you really specific information, but the general information is missing. That's mm. what a riddle is. Right. It's like too much specific information, not enough general information, okay? And so how do you solve a riddle? Well, you ask questions like, is the card a Ford? No. And you go like through all the names of the car manufacturers and it's not any of them. And then like, well, like, is the car big enough for an adult to climb into? No. And then you start getting closer, right? Or is the... Does the hotel have like concrete and wood? No. Um, is, the <laughs> is it plastic? Plastic? Yes. Okay. And see, and everything in business is a riddle. Mm. The star principle is a riddle. It's, it's um, well, it's where you specifies the general, but you have to find a specific that meets the general. Right? Number one in a growing market. Well, there's a million growing markets and there's a million unmet needs. You just have to find an unmet need in a growing market that nobody, a niche that nobody is scratching. And then, well, you have a chance to go there. So, um, so if you can learn to solve riddles, that's really, that's really what business is. It's not like, shipping the packages faster and faster. You know, it's not hustling more and more. It's solving the riddle that nobody else is solving. Wow. Where do we, where do we wrap this up, Eric? <laughs> well, you know, of course, we want to know more, and I'm sure the audience wants to know more. So what are the best possible ways to reach you and, and, and grab a hold of all this amazing content? You're uh, go to Amazon and buy Detox Declutter Dominate for about nine bucks. Um, really, really quick story on this book. Yeah, the length. A year ago, this was a 50,000-word, 150-page book. And, you know, I'd been banging on the keyboard, banging on the keyboard. And my friend Robert Scrobe said, Perry, uh, send me your manuscript. I got an idea. Okay. So I sent him my manuscript. And he sends it back to me two weeks later. He goes, Perry, I 80 20 your book. Oh. He goes, it's 8,000 words now. You didn't need 42,000 of the words. So I got rid of them. I'm like, oh, well, well thank you very much, Rob. <laughs> Um, but he, he had, and he goes, give me another two weeks. And he comes back and he'd made all these graphics. Mm. He goes, Perry, you got to illustrate this stuff. We got to make this really simple, really easy to digest. So Rob 80, 20, my book, and he put pictures in it. Now I'm a writer. I would never, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even occur to me to put all these infographics and everything. 
And so what we actually have is the super stripped down, like this is your success manual literally for the next 20 years. Mm. You should like wear out the pages because literally every one of these steps is a riddle. It's like, if you just solve really a couple of them, your life is going to get so much better. And then you can go on, keep working on the other four or five. What's so great is I've already started. I didn't even get a chance to uh, coordinate with Eric, but like you're saying, Perry, all these things for, for our business PodMax, it's like, oh my God, I have three ways I can run by Eric and, and, and now we should be going down that path. And so yes. it's, it's yes. very tangible, very strategic, very accessible. It's great. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's on Amazon and um, you can get it for probably less than 10 bucks shipped to your door if you're in the United States. So uh, it'll, it'll really make a difference in your life. If, if, you, if you want to make $1,000 an hour, one hour a day, this is your book. It's beautiful. Thanks for putting it out there, Perry. Thanks for being on the show. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.